Welcome to Powder Keg Igniting Startups, episode 25 with Sean Ellis and Morgan Brown, two of the smartest startup marketers, I think it's safe to say, in the world. These two marketing-minded tech entrepreneurs worked together in growing marketing tech company Qualaroo, which Sean sold in 2016, to focus on building growthhackers.com, which is where Sean and Morgan built this incredible community of startup marketers and a movement of innovative approaches to startup growth. Lucky for you, they've co-authored a book set to release on April 25th, 2017, and it's called Hacking Growth. And we were so fortunate to get both of them here on the show first to share their best stories and insights all here today on Powder Keg Igniting Startups. I am your host, Matt Hunkler, and I am the founder and CEO of Verge, which is a network of local communities with global reach for tech entrepreneurs, investors, and top talent. And as my team and I have grown Verge over the past seven years, we've hosted more than a thousand entrepreneurs at our events around the world. Those founders have gone on to raise more than $500 million in capital collectively. They're disrupting industries, creating wealth, and changing the world. And they're doing it in areas outside of Silicon Valley. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram, at Hunkler, and that's H-U-N-C-K-L-E-R. And what I want you to do is let me know how Verge, Powder Keg, and I can help you with your entrepreneurial journey. This week's episode of Powder Keg is brought to you by Developer Town. These guys have been friends of ours for years. They've helped so many startups take their ideas to market, gain traction, and build and grow and meet customer needs. But something you might not know about Developer Town is that they actually help enterprise companies move like a startup. Corporate innovators often work with Developer Town to explore software solutions that support their business needs. And now the cool thing is Developer Town leverages all of their years working with startups and they can help companies better understand the viability of potential software solutions, apps, uh, products that they're doing uh, digitally and quickly bring them to market. Developer Town's created this proven sprint to market process so that large enterprises can move like a startup. You can find out more about Developer Town, read up on them at developertown.com slash powder keg. That's Developer Town, all one word, Powder Keg, all one word. Again, that's developertown.com slash Powder Keg. Developer Town, start something. As I mentioned, our guests today are Sean Ellis and Morgan Brown, co-authors of Hacking Growth, which shares how today's fastest-growing companies drive breakout success. And listen, at the risk of sounding like a total fanboy, I wanted to share that I've relied very heavily on the blogs and Twitter feeds of both these guests because they're total pioneers in startup marketing. And while I was leading marketing at various startups before starting Powder Keg, and even now today as we grow our audience and grow our community, I relied so heavily on the principles of both these fine gentlemen. Morgan Brown is the COO of Inman News, a leading real estate and technology news publication. And he's led growth initiatives at several companies, including those of our other guest, Sean Ellis. Sean is one of the most prolific thought leaders in the field of startup marketing, and he's the founder and CEO of Qualaroo, as well as growthhackers.com, where both of today's guests teamed up to make waves in the marketing world. And when I say make waves, I mean freaking make waves. Qualaroo is a marketing software as a service company that Sean built and grew with Morgan's help to millions in annual revenue. Later, they sold the company in 2016 to focus on what they call their true calling, 
At Growth Hackers, Sean is now building the leading community for growth professionals with software, talent solutions, and services to help companies manage what they call an agile growth process. It's backed by leading VC firms like Polaris, True Ventures, Index Ventures, and First Round Capital, and they're just growing like crazy. But before Sean built his software companies, before he wrote a book, Sean was leading marketing and growth at companies like Dropbox, Eventbrite, and LogMeIn, where he really discovered his passion for growth hacking. I joined early stage startups early in my career. And, um, you know, you, you see people in a startup working really hard to, to try to make a difference with whatever product they're building. And uh, it, it, however great the solution is, it only makes a difference if it gets in the hands of the people who need it. And so to me, Distribution is just as important as a great product and just as important as solving an important problem. And so that's that's what got me passionate about it early on. And uh, and then as I started to do it, I, I realized that it's actually a lot of fun as well, that you do get a uh, you do get kind of an instant feedback loop when you especially in, in online marketing where you can see see the effectiveness of the actions that you're doing and how how they work and you can test in small amounts and whatever works, you can scale it. And so that, I found that to be really fun. And then, uh, the, the kind of cross-functional growth part, uh, it was just a natural evolution that, uh, came particularly when I was at log me in trying to work acquisition and, and, you know, out in the channels, getting new customers and realizing that it's going to be impossible to scale our spend if we don't figure out how to convert, retain, monetize, and all the other things that, often sit outside of the hands of the marketer, outside of the influence of the marketer. But um, without doing those things correctly, you're going to have a really hard time uh, out, out in the channels uh, competing and, and scaling customer acquisition. Well, and I definitely want to make sure we dive into that, you know, how, how you compete, how you set yourself apart. Obviously, we'll get into some uh, growth hacks and tactics there. But I, Morgan, I was wondering, is it similar for you? Is it something that's always been fun for you or what was it that kind of hooked your attention and has captivated it and gotten you to pour your whole life's work into this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I think I've always been excited about bringing great ideas uh, to the people who could benefit from them, you know, and, and I've worked uh, my first dot com company that I worked at was right out of college in 1999. And uh, I've just been hooked ever since of, you know, entrepreneurs building really incredible uh, products that that have um, incredible potential, and like Sean said, that potential isn't realized until it gets into the hands of people people that that need it. And so that was the, I mean, that's what's drawn me to startups um, and new companies uh, my whole life. Um, just products that that inspire me and wanting to see them be successful. Um, and then I think the the growth hacking uh, part of it, it was just a realization that. The way that startups grow is different. You know, it's different than traditional marketing. Um, I would read all of the MBA uh, business books. I would talk to my friends who worked at, you know, Pepsi and IBM and um, all those uh, kind of companies. And what they were doing on a daily basis looked much different than what I was doing in, in, on a daily basis, even though we shared similar job titles uh, and, and functions. And so for me, that kind of realization that there is something different going on um, in the way that marketing is done uh, at new companies versus established, you know, kind of fortune 
500 companies um, was kind of the, the impetus for kind of running down this path. And then I was luck- lucky enough to come across uh, what Sean had written uh, about growth and growth hacking. And, and it just instantly resonated with me because it was something that had uh, stuck out in my mind that there was there was something different going on and, and that my job, my responsibility as a marketer was actually much different uh, than kind of the, the popular uh, understanding of it. And so um, fortunately, our paths crossed. We both live in Southern California, which is um, about as lucky as it gets for, for someone <laughs> like me. Um, and uh, so I had a chance to go work with him and, and really build out this framework and, and you know, dive deep into different companies, different successful startups, and, and really build out kind of this uh, hypothesis, this framework, um, uh, this mindset into into really a structural kind of thing that anyone could pick up and do. And, and that's, I think, where we got to. Well, Morgan, talk to me about how you first uh, connected with Sean, because you guys are now like peanut butter and jelly, right? You guys go together so well, you know, assuming you like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, and I'll let you decide <laughs> who gets to be... peanut butter just to be... <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys decide and fight over who gets to be peanut butter. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious how you guys uh, actually, you, you kind of glossed over it. You know, you crossed yep. paths and had a chance to work together. But I feel like those are real pivotal moments and sort of those inflection points in, uh, in careers and, and, you know, really yeah. life and trajectory. How did that actually happen. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's funny, early, probably in about 2010 or 11, I had this brilliant idea that I was going to start a, a blog called uh, Startup Marketing, um, because I had had been there, you know, um, in that role. And I was like, I have I had had blogged successfully before that. And I was like, Oh, this is a great, great tactic. So I, I went to try to find the URL. And uh, there was already a great blog there. Uh, by a guy named Sean Ellis. So, so I, I started reading and that's kind of where I first kind of encountered Sean online. But I think um, when I really met him, so I was uh, working with a couple of companies um, and I had, I had kind of built a, a deck on growth hacking, um, a PowerPoint presentation on growth hacking that I gave, for a talk that I gave at a Orange County product uh, meetup. And um, like any good web Denzian. I shared the deck online, you know, on SlideShare and then posted it to LinkedIn. One night I was sitting on my couch uh, next to my wife and I was looking at LinkedIn and I got a little notification and it said, Sean Ellis has sent you a message. Like instantly all the blood in my body went to my feet, I think. <laughs> um, and I looked to my, and I didn't open it. And I looked to my wife and I said, uh, honey, the, the guy that created the term growth hacking just sent me a message about my growth hacking deck, um, 50, 50, whether, uh, or maybe even worse odds, whether he thinks I'm brilliant or a total jackass. So I'm going to open this message and find out. Um, and so she kind of, uh, just said good luck. And so I, with sweaty palms kind of opened the message and, uh, fortunately, um, it was, more that he thought it was reasonably well uh, articulated, wanted to get together because he was hiring for a growth role at uh, Qualaroo at the time. So um, and that so I went and met him and uh, we had a great conversation and it kind of went from there. So but it was uh, it was definitely a lucky break for me. It's it's so fitting that inbound marketing is what uh, ended up creating the connection between you two. Sean, do you, do you remember what it was about that presentation that made was so compelling that you had to reach out to Morgan? 
when you're in Orange County, there's not a lot of tech down here. It's it's getting to be a lot more. But you know, at that time, I just started looking around on LinkedIn to see does does anybody know anything about growth hacking and came across Morgan's deck and it was by far the best deck that I'd seen on growth hacking better than anything I had put together uh, from a from a deck perspective and so it was it was just lucky and I don't think I took the direct approach of saying hey Morgan I'm trying to hire come and come work with me I just said this is a great deck let's get together for some coffee and uh, as we as we got talking I realized um, you know Morgan's got we're really complementary to each other because Morgan's got a uh, I think a much sort of broader skill set than me is it, it, it's kind of weird as that sounds i think he is a, a full i guess maybe it's a deeper skill set even <laughs> a, a full stack marketer where he can he can go and it, it, there's nothing that morgan kind of doesn't put his his mind to that he can't go and get done where um i guess i probably could as well but he's he's drawing on existing skills where i'd have to go out and develop them and so um you know it, it became pretty clear when we when we met that he, he would, he would be an awesome addition to the team. And so, uh, we were able to get something together. It wasn't a full-time role cause Morgan was, was had a couple of other commitments out there, but it was about in, in a halftime role, he got more done than most people would get in two full-time roles. So it, it worked really well for a few years. That's awesome. You know, I, I think that that, that's a question that startup founders often have is, you know, with my first marketing hire and even subsequent marketing hires, do I go with someone who is, you know, quote unquote, full stack, meaning they're, they're broad and they've done a lot of things. They can, you know, put their mind to something and get it done versus someone who is an expert at say email marketing or an expert at CRO conversion rate optimization. And do I go hire that person first to, to kind of build a proficiency or do I build the, the full stack, you know, master of, well, I don't want to say master of none because you're like, that's <laughs> totally fine. I'm a master of none, Matt. That's totally fine. You can say, yeah, it. I, I say it a lot around to, here. <laughs> I would answer, I would, I would uh, look at it as the, as the first part that, that ultimately in a smaller company, you need really dynamic people that, you know, whatever, whatever comes up they're they're not sort of like, Oh, that's not my job. They're the, each, each person on your early team needs to be dynamic enough to jump in and do what needs to be done. And so Morgan was a perfect early person on the team because he could, Morgan even actually went out and, and handled building the first, uh, the first, uh, growthhackers.com website. I mean, we, we, we ended up bringing some internal skills to take it across the finish line, but he just like, this looks like a great idea. I'll get it done. And <laughs> you just, you just don't see many, many people with a marketing title yeah, like jumping in and saying, yeah, let's, I'll, I'll find a way to get it done. Well, and I think that the, the launch of growthhackers.com is so interesting because at the time you were working together on Qualaroo, you know, the, the software company for conversion rate optimization, which I've had a chance to play around with, but haven't done full campaigns with. Um, but you decided that starting this growthhackers.com website would actually be a good way to sort of build audience around what you were doing. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about that decision? Whose idea was that? So that was, was Sean's. Yeah, I mean, it was mine. Yeah, I, I wanted to do it for a while. I mean, part, part of it was kind of a passion project. Part of it was Morgan had actually kicked off on uh, something we call a VIP program where we realized that when Qualaroo runs on a marketing website, it, you know, and we, we actually, before I kind of forget to mention, we sold Qualaroo about a year ago. So we're, we're all in on growth hackers now, but, yeah. um, at the time 
we, we realized that when Qualaroo ran on a marketing site, it has branding on it. Um, it, it actually led to a pretty high conversion rate to new customers signing up when they actually interacted with the survey unit on other marketing sites. If it ran on Disney, it's the wrong audience, obviously, to, to convert a bunch of kids to become customers that wouldn't have worked. So we, we realized there was a void for a, uh, a site where people could really come and be inspired and, and connect with other inspirational uh, growth and marketing people. So um, that, was, that was sort of the, we thought there was a void for that type of uh, community and content. And, uh, and we knew that when we run Qualaroo on a site like that, it's really good for that core business. So that was, those were sort of the two impetuses for building it. Yeah, and Matt, I think the the really interesting insight that Sean had, and I think this is actually really valuable for any marketer or entrepreneur, is that um, as a as a software as a service company, one of the things you're quote unquote supposed to do is content marketing, right? We you know inbound marketing, and we looked around, and every SaaS company. Uh, every marketing technology company was was doing content marketing, blog posts, webinars, white papers. I mean, the internet is awash in marketing technology content. <laughs> and uh, Sean had a really good perspective that, hey, you know, Morgan, with you half time, the core team only, you know, a few people at that point, um, Qualaroo can't compete uh, just by uh, pumping out as much content as possible, but you know, what if we put a, a layer on top of the uh, on top of this ridiculous river of content and be a filter that that bubbles the best stuff up to it, and we can kind of aggregate, filter, rank, and then people can come and discover us or come to Growth Hackers to discover the best of everything that's out there, as opposed to having to sift through. Um, every, all the noise, uh, they can come to Growth Hackers and find the best stuff. And I thought that was a really, you know, valuable insight to kind of flip what everyone else is doing on its head and look for the opportunity, um, you know, in that environment. Well, and it's such a valuable space, you know, as someone who is an entrepreneur, as a growth marketer, uh, you know, I, I frequently, even if I don't go through and read all the articles. I find myself going in at least a few times a week to at least, you know, even in the craziest weeks, you know, read the front page of it just to see what's new, what am I missing, you know, what new feature is out that I'm not taking advantage of. Um, so it's, it's a really cool space and you clearly found, you know, the right space at the right time. Uh, so I'd love to talk to you about how you built that community, but first wanted to uh, maybe dig in a little bit deeper on Qualaroo, because I know you, you sold that back in February of 2016. In a space, as you mentioned, the the marketing technology and marketing SaaS space, so, so crowded. So many conversion rate optimization tools. Was it the Growth Hackers community that really set it apart and made it something that excelled above the rest to actually be acquired? Uh, or was it something else? It was there, there's definitely challenges with the business. I mean, one of the things with with uh, survey like insights for conversion rate optimization is that most people most people approach it as a as an episodic use case. So they they use it for a little while. They feel like they know what's going on, and then they stop using it. Which for a SaaS business, that's actually kind of a, a challenging situation. So we were able to we were able to to grow it pretty, pretty substantially to, to millions of dollars in recurring revenue. But it was something where, uh, you know, the side project of growth hackers started to take off and 
focus is such a such an important uh, asset for an entrepreneur that we just found you know, we were we were being pulled in two different directions and had to had to pick a lane and and so being able to get the cash and put it into growth hackers was uh, you know not just the cash but the focus just seemed like the right move for us but I think Qualaru itself we what we were doing is we we were generating pretty good cash flow off of that business and and really putting it into the into the growth hackers business mm-hmm. to the point where to the point where if we kept that up for much longer we were we were going to kill the business and so we we basically for us it just made sense to we we were passionate about what what Qualaru was doing and so we wanted to have a focused team who could take it to the next level and and so when we found the right acquirer for it it uh, it, it worked well for us but we I think we we kind of we took the business with partial focus about as far as we could take it, and but a team with full focus and, and talent we felt like could take it to to an even better level. It's such an important decision, and I, I've certainly made the mistake in the past for hanging on to businesses for too long uh, while I'm kind of riding that that line. And and so kudos to you guys to seeing that and saying, hey, let's let's find a place for this to go and live on and uh, continue to thrive. Was it, was it an opportunity that you went out and found or did the opportunity come in and find you? We, we had a number of companies over the years approaching us to, to buy it. And uh, what I realized was I, I had one company where for a whole year we were in discussions and nobody wanted to put a price because in negotiation, you let the other guy put the price. And, <laughs> uh, when a price finally hit the table, it was like we were on such different pages that I thought to myself, I just got distracted for a whole year. So the, basically with this time when I decided it was the right move to sell it, the first time someone showed some interest, I very quickly I very quickly took it to a conversation where I said, I think this price gets it done. And I even kind of lowballed it to some degree just just to actually have just to actually have a like a stocking horse or whatever you would call that, where somebody somebody has the price and uh, and and is interested. And then I already had a list of people who I thought would be good acquirers for it, and just went out to them and said, "Hey, I've got somebody interested in buying it at this. We there's a good chance we're going to do the deal, but I wanted to at least let you know that uh, that we we have someone else at the table, and then." I got interest from from a number of others, and we we finally got it done. Unfortunately, it was still it turned out to be take a lot longer and be a much bigger distraction to get a transaction done than I originally thought it was going to be. That's such a self reflective thing for for you guys to do, and for you to already know your number when that conversation came about. Sounds like you've already you had already put some time into thinking through that strategically. Yeah, it was, we were we were really op- trying to optimize for speed rather than price. The, yep. um, it, it, it just, you know, if, if the idea is focus, um, cash is an important resource, but, but time and focus are also an important resource. So, um, we just, we, we saw the potential for a, you know, a, a billion dollar plus business on, on growth hackers. If we, if we could really focus and execute on it. And I still see that potential. It just, uh, you know, and, and the difference between, X million versus two X million, like not necessarily that big of a of a of a deal because we had cash on on the balance sheet still from from venture capital that we'd raised. It, it seems to me that so much of the focus on growth hacks, um, or, or even in, in sort of like growing businesses, is sort of on the tactical side of things. Meaning, you know, a lot of content out there kind of zooms into the execution and how to optimize and, and following the metrics and making decisions, you know, based on dashboards. Um, but it, 
the thing that's kind of coming through to me as you're telling this story is that you both were able to kind of zoom out and be like, hey, listen, this growth hackers thing is actually where our passion is. And, you know, time is a valuable resource. So is focus. Uh, so if we can get a little bit of cash, we're going to be wealthy in the focus and time. H how do you guys zoom in and zoom out like that? Because I know you're still running growth hacks, you know, on b building growth hackers and growing Qualaroo at the same time. But you're also still able to zoom out and think strategically. Is there something that you guys do, some sort of pattern? Are you, are you journaling? Are you uh, talking to one another, you know, as, as sort of like co-founders and partners in crime, as peanut butter and jelly? Or like, <laughs> what's, what's, what is it that um, allows you to do that? I'll give a quick answer. And then Morgan, I think, uh, you know, now he's CEO of a business. So I think he'll have some interesting perspective on, on yep. this as well. But Absolutely. My, I, I can tell you that like a lot of it, I have a really good board of directors where, um, you know, a lot of it was things that we hashed over with the board of directors because it's a pretty big, that's a big decision. And, um, you know, like, like ultimately you never know if you make the right decision because it, it's unlike an AB test where you're actually testing both A and B. A lot of kind of big business decisions like that are, are, are basically you, you have to go on on gut and instinct and and the limited information that you have and pick A or B and go down that path. Um, and when you're used to split testing things, it can be kind of tough. But I think um, you know being able to make a decision and be committed to that decision is probably even if it's the wrong decision, it's probably more important to to make the decision and be committed and go all in on it than it is to hedge and and just sit on the fence for too long because that's when that's when both opportunities end up drying up. That's a really good point. And, and I imagine, Morgan, you're you're finding the exact same thing as you're growing Inman News as the COO there. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about what the change has been like going from something that is sort of uh, more sassy or, you know, software based to something that's more <laughs> of a, you know, publication? Yeah. And, you know, I had a real uh incredible learning experience being on, you know, you know, kind of leading marketing at, at Qualaroo and working for Sean and, um, you know, being on the launch team at Growth Hackers. And, and luckily for me, uh, it turns out that um, Growth Hackers is in some ways, uh, you know, at least the community um, when I was there. And obviously, since then, Sean's built a bunch of tools and training and stuff off the back of it. But when I was there, it was, it was purely the community. Uh, and it, it turns out that a community is very much like a media company in some some uh, regards. You know that there is a there's kind of a, a content and editorial need. There's an audience building need. Um, there's a obviously a retention um, need. There's a content production and sourcing need. And and so it, uh, it turns out that um, you know the growth hackers. My experience uh, maps really well uh, to a media company. Um, and then my uh, experience with the Qualaroo product on the SaaS side um, maps really well to Inman because we are a subscription news product. So um, while it's not, you know, while you have different kind of churn benchmarks and, uh, you know, different customer and different, uh, different buying behaviors, uh, ultimately it's a subscription business. And so um, I'm worried about many of the same things, um, customer lifetime value, uh, how much it costs to acquire a customer uh, versus the value we get from them, um, you know, what our customer retention looks like, how do we activate customers to ensure long-term retention and that type of thing. So a lot of those uh, skills and, and the things that I've built up over time, just trying to build audience and, and retain and monetize audience uh, maps really well 
um, to the Inman business. And, you know, just to, to kind of piggyback on what Sean said about the decision-making, um, you know, obviously selling your company is a really big and really big decision and one that's not easily reversible. Um, but for the most part, those types of decisions I found in business are actually pretty rare. Um, you know, most decisions, um, aren't, uh, do or die, you know, uh, you can adjust course, um, and usually you do adjust course. And so knowing that most decisions are not life or death, um, you should make them faster than you're comfortable with. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I think one of the big things we talked about also in our, in marketing is, is kind of how I run the business. Like velocity is a key performance indicator, right? Like we need to, we need to move fast. My, um, uh, you know, at Santa Barbara, I studied uh, zoology, which is kind of a weird uh, background for a tech marketer. But you know, you kind of learn uh, that in an ecosystem, either you're big and and then you can be slow. Um, but if you're small, you have to be fast. And if you're small and slow, you're someone else's lunch. And I think the same is uh, is true in business. That if you're a small company. Uh, you need to move fast because agility and speed is is one of your key competitive ad- advantages. So, you know, it was funny. Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos just released his uh, letter to shareholders uh, the other day, and and he even said in it that you know most decisions should be made with somewhere around seventy percent of the information you wish you had. Um, if you're waiting for ninety percent, in most cases, you're being too slow. And and I really feel that um, velocity of decision making and action is is critical uh, to to success um, because you're course correcting the whole way. Uh, so you shouldn't be you shouldn't be hesitant and waiting for perfect information because it doesn't exist. Well, and Morgan, you were on the launch team for um, the Growth Hackers website when it launched, and I'm sure you were making just crazy amount of decisions uh, every day following a little bit of gut, a lot of data probably. What were some of the the right decisions that you made that kind of made that magic? And Sean, feel free to chime in here. That, that kind of built the foundation for that community. I'll, I'll take the first shot at it. Um, but I think one of the most uh, critical insights was really figuring out how we were going to grow it. You know, like which, what channel, what source of uh customer is really going to to be the one that that drives initial interest uh, in growth hackers you know Sean had a you know Sean uh, you know obviously running a survey uh, company um, was like hey we should talk to some people and figure out like let's talk to our our core audience and see where they're currently discovering um, this type of information this type of growth marketing content and so um, you know really, um, almost informally, you know, started asking people that we respect, you know, asking people on uh, Twitter, asking people um, in our community via email, you know, hey, where do you typically find the, the growth marketing content that you really rely on and value? And um, overwhelmingly, the answer came back, Twitter. Uh, and so for us, we're like, hey, these people are looking for this stuff on Twitter uh, this could be a really powerful distribution channel uh, to bring, uh, you know, for the growthhackers.com content and community and bring people uh, in. And I think that was a really critical first uh, first decision. So, Sean, I don't know if you want to elaborate. Yeah, just a you know, additional thing is that it, it helped that I, I came into launching Growth Hackers with, with a decent Twitter following already. I think I was about t- maybe 10,000 at the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having 10,000 people who – 
had organically grown because they were interested in the same types of you know, marketing and growth content that I was interested in turned out to be a pretty good asset for launching a community around that same topic. And so, you know, I would advise anyone else who was doing something similar today to go and build your build your audience on another platform first. And then, you know, at the same time as you're building out your kind of key platform, because it takes time. I mean, I think one of the things that I like I, people talk about an MVP, uh, you know, minimum viable product when launching a, a, a new product. And I think that that first version of Growth Hackers was, was, was uh, you know, sticks and gum and <laughs> the tinfoil connecting it together. And it was, it was not beautiful, but we, we had a scrappy little team. It was, it was I think like four of us that were, yeah. that were hammering away at it. And, um, and, you know, probably, probably less than kind of the technology decisions was just the brute force work of making sure that if somebody posted a comment or somebody somebody interacted in any way that we gave them that perception of community that we interacted with them they they don't need a, a 10,000 people to interact with them they need one person to make it feel like that they're not alone in a ghost town and so it was it was 7 days a week for probably 3 or 4 months till we Till we could finally kind of let off the gas a little bit, and the community had had uh, you know built enough momentum where it could it could keep itself engaged. And uh, but it's it's hard work kind of priming the pump on something like this. And I think technology doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily replace it. It's just good old fashioned hard work that uh, that is needed in the beginning to tip something like this. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a recurring theme in these community-based companies. You know, we had Alexis Ohanian on talking about how he built Reddit and uh, same sort of thing, sort of just through sheer brute force um, mm-hmm. and, and some alter ego user accounts. Yeah, um, and we studied Reddit. So, I mean, Reddit was definitely part of our inspiration and in how, how to approach the launch of Growth Hackers. Oh, nice, nice. Well, and the, the other thing you touched on is is what Brian Clark from Copyblogger shared on uh, episode 24 of Powder Keg and just that having that audience before you launch the product is so, so important. It, it's clear that, you know, you just kind of talking through and sharing what you were learning as you were hacking growth and, and building startups to have that initial, it sounds like Twitter was the, was the thing at the time, you know, that Twitter following that you knew you could get some initial traction with it mm-hmm. w- was uh, probably really, really important. When I, I think I also had a couple of blog posts on my blog that had reached maybe 150,000 reads on them. So nice. I, I had an, I had an audience across these different you know, platforms that I'd kind of built on. And so being able to, being able to, to transition that audience to something else, I think was a, was a big advantage. But if I had tried to do it by myself, I, I think we wouldn't have been as successful as literally having four scrappy people doing whatever it took to, uh, to, to, I mean, we literally like took turns manning, okay, you got it Saturday, you got it Sunday, like just 24 hour coverage on, on making sure that if a comment went on there, that person was going to get a reply and, uh, and, and just priming the pump for it. So it's, uh, you, you want to leverage every asset you have, but at the same time, having a good team, having, having a dedicated team and, and just, you know, and then finally that brute force to, to tip it was really important. Well, and I'm sure a lot of these stories you've captured in your, your new book, Hacking Growth. Can you tell me a little bit about how you formatted this book um, and, and what an entrepreneur or product marketer could expect to get out of it? 
each company has its own set of unique challenges, um, you know, obviously going after different audience segments with different value propositions. And, and kind of what, what Sean and I saw out there is, you know, most of the stuff written about growth hacking and is, is like you mentioned earlier, Matt, is um, very tactical, right? It's very, um, it's very kind of a list of things to try. And, um, you know, those things, you know, that's trying taking what someone else has done and applying it to your business without uh, thinking, thinking it through is, you know, essentially applying someone else's solution to a different problem to your business and, and hope that it hope that it sticks. And, and we don't think that that's, you know, a super effective way uh, to, to go about, you know, no great business was built off the back of a, of a listicle. You know, and, and and they serve their purpose, though, right? Don't get me wrong. Like, they're great for inspiration, um, you know, finding new ideas to kind of synthesize and, and turn into your own. But I think too many people just kind of take them, you know, verbatim and say, oh, we have to be doing that, which I think is is kind of a head fake. So this book is not that, right? This book is not a recipe uh, book of all the things that you, all the tactics that you should try. What What we have tried to do is build really more of a playbook, um, which shows you, one, how to build a team uh, focused on and, and drive, that is focused on and can drive growth and, and what that looks like. Uh, two, you know, how to set yourself up for growth, um, because there's lots of companies that, even though they want to grow, they're not set up for growth. Either their product isn't something that people love, um, you know, it doesn't deliver a ton of tremendous value yet, which is just the cold, hard truth of, of building products is, some, you know, they don't always hit the mark right out of the gate. Um, and then also having the data and the infrastructure um, in place to be able to experiment at a, at a really high velocity and, and figure out what's working and what's not working. Um, and then, you know, how to run the growth hacking, high tempo experimentation process, which gives your team that velocity of learning and experimentation um, and really, that philosophy is about learning as fast as possible so that you figure out what works in the shortest amount of time and that you can build on those successes. Um, and that's really the, the first half of the book. In the second half of the book, we look at each stage of the customer lifecycle or journey from acquisition to monetization, and we apply that, that high-speed experimentation uh, and discovery framework um, that we call the growth hacking process to each stage of that customer life cycle and show how it can be used uh, to find new opportunity for growth. So um, hopefully people can get it and, you know, hopefully it's kind of teaching some people to fish rather than, you know, giving them the, giving them the fish. And we tell lots of stories from successful companies from our own backgrounds. Um, so, you know, hopefully there's some, some things that people can, you know, go and try uh, right away, but hopefully, more importantly, it gives them the the framework for thinking about and executing on um, high velocity experimentation that that leads to growth at so many of these breakout companies. Well, and Morgan, I love the the focus on strategy and the teaching people to fish as opposed to just giving them a ton of fish, fish after fish after fish. And, but I also love that you are bringing it to life with stories. You know, we had uh, Gabriel Weinberg on the podcast, episode nine. Uh, with his book uh, on traction, which I imagine would be just like a great companion reader uh, for your your book that's coming out. Yeah, right? If you absolutely. love traction, you probably love hacking growth. Yeah, um, I, I would think of us as like part two to traction. Traction is awesome. an awesome book to start with for super early stage. And then for scaling and managing growth as a team, 
we we can definitely help take it to the next level. Sean, did you have a favorite story in the book? Um, you know, I, I think like some of the some of the stories that we share early on are are you know from my own experience at Dropbox and and Log Me In. Um, but you know, yeah. I, I learn a ton from from the various stories. Everything, especially like some of the bigger companies that we've looked at in there, like like Microsoft and and uh, Walmart and some of some of the things that they're doing. I think it's a lot harder to apply a high tempo testing process in in some of these bigger companies, but um, they're they're showing us the way. The ones that are that are starting to get it right. Um, so I yeah I, I there's there's a lot of stories that I like in there. And again, as as Morgan said, they're not about just take the tactics from this company and apply them in yours, but we go deeper to, to the principles behind why that tactic worked in that company. And when you understand the principles, you're, you're in a lot better position to apply it in your own company. Yeah. And Matt, I, you know, I think, um, Sean's being pretty modest because one of my favorite stories in the book is are, are from Sean's experience. He's got a great story in there about his time at log me in where they're able to, you know, kind of use this experimentation framework across the entire customer journey to figure out how to be able to increase their paid advertising spend from, you know, $10,000 a month to millions of dollars a month. Um, kind of getting outside of the traditional marketing role. And, uh, that's, that's certainly one of my, favorite stories um in the book is, is sean's experience on on that front um, yeah, and, then, and, and for yeah. what it's worth that was kind of my aha moment on the importance of of really what we call growth hacking today that that experimentation across the full customer journey being able to see the impact it, it had in in a company that had stalled on growth and then suddenly growth shot to the next level when we started doing this can you talk to me a little bit more about that sean what what was it at log me in that was that big breakthrough aha like how did that come about what was it that you did so what we were we were taking the approach of a of a normal marketing team where we went out and you know we we generally knew what the value proposition of the product was so we went out and started to to spend some money on google adwords and bring people into the site and uh you know i knew that if if I could get control of landing pages, that was going to help my marketing. So I fought the hard battle. We were small enough that I could I could get get control of landing pages, but we had to kind of carve out a uh, subdomain, and uh, I had a growth engineer on the team who would who would manage those landing pages because uh, Unbounce and others weren't around at that time. But what I saw was that the majority of people who signed up never actually used the product. And it, that's all of your return on investment comes from people using the product. All of your word of mouth comes from people using the product. We were going to have a really hard time growing the business. So fortunately, I had a really good CEO who I brought the data to and said, here's here's the the reality is that we we lack the leverage to, to effectively spend money until we can figure out how to activate people who sign up and actually get them using the product. This, this business is going to stay small. And so he looked at the data and said, you know, we're not, we're, we're not going to work on the product roadmap that we have right now. Every single person in the company is going to focus on getting that customer journey right. And, uh, and so we, we ran experimentation all the way through the funnel. And as Morgan said, we basically got it to where we had about a thousand percent improvement over the next few months in the number of people who signed up and actually used the product. And what that did from a channels perspective, we hit the wall on channels at about 10,000 a month where no new creative ideas of what we could do in channels would, would really make much of an impact. Hmm. After we did that, we went back and tested the exact same channel. So no new creativity 
just went back and tested the same channels and now they scale to over a million dollars a month with a three month payback on, on that million dollars. So we could, we could cycle $4 million a year without, so we were cash flow positive the whole time through our, uh, through our NASDAQ IPO listing from, from like day one of scale through, which is pretty unheard of for most SaaS companies. And it was all about getting experimentation through the full customer journey, really understanding what value was to the customer and having the full team, not just the marketing team, work on enhancing value for the customers in a, in a measurable way. Well, I think that really clearly illustrates what it means to truly hack growth. Uh, so I really appreciate you sharing that, Sean, and Morgan, for the context, too, on the book. Uh, if people want to get the book, where can they go? Uh, so best best place is growthhacker.com. So it's, it's like growthhackers.com, <laughs> but without the S. Um, and that's that's just sort of a, a page that we put together that gives a, an overview of the book and, and a link to where you can uh, buy it from various sites. And uh, that's that's a good place to start. Awesome. I, I love the impact that you guys are making in the, the SaaS and startup world, um, and obviously with, with marketers, but, but even with early stage entrepreneurs who are wearing the marketing hat. Um, you've made such an impact with growth hackers and, and with your leadership at your, your various companies and initiatives. Um, one of the things I love about you guys is that you're, you're doing it all from, uh, you know, outside of Silicon Valley. You know, you're there in Southern California. And I, I don't know a ton about the scene there. You know, we had Kara Nortman on the podcast from Upfront Ventures uh, earlier on. She's, of course, in L.A. Um, I've got a friend, Kyle Ashby, who runs uh, Santa Barbara co-working space up there. But can you tell me a little bit about what the startup community in, in these last couple of minutes, what's the startup yeah. community like there? So, I mean, what's interesting, we're in Orange County. L.A. is actually pretty hot. That's where you've got Snapchat and Dollar Shave Club and you've got you've got some pretty hot companies. Sure. But interestingly, Orange County, I think, is starting to get on the map for really understanding growth and marketing. So the best agency that I know is uh, Client Boost, and they're just down the street from us. And uh, there's just there's just a good pocket of good growth talent. I think uh, real estate and mortgages were, were down here for a long time where some people got really good at SEO. I think, Morgan, you, you kind of got started in that area. I mean, anything else you'd want to say about kind of the scene down here, Morgan? Yeah, no, I think it's it's very nascent. You know, I think one of the challenges with um, Southern California, it's so big, um, you know, that uh, Orange County is a huge county. Um, you can, you know, take you a couple hours, you know, to go to, to each side of it. And so, um, you know, I think uh, it doesn't have kind of the density that maybe some of these other innovation centers have, you know, like Silicon Beach in L.A. and, um, uh, and you know, New York and Austin and um, these different in you know, Boston. So I think, uh, a skill set of digital marketing down here, uh, and maybe it's just self-selecting, but there's a lot of kind of interesting companies and agencies and, and people around that. Um, and then we all try to get outside the orange curtain, uh, occasionally <laughs> up to LA and San Francisco and go see our brethren up there. So, but I, I think even just with, with kind of your, your whole focus with the podcast of outside of, of Silicon Valley, that, what I think what you start to see is that companies that are outside of Silicon Valley tend to be a little better at marketing because they have to be efficient with the cash they have. It's harder to raise money outside of Silicon Valley. And so as a result, the, the dollars that you're spending need to go a lot longer and you, you need to really be focused on ROI where I, mean, I did my years in, in the Valley as well. And I think there's some great things around innovation up there and there's definitely a lot of talented people. Absolutely. But, all of that access to money 
means that people don't need to be quite as efficient in how they spend it. And so um, that's where I think most, m- interestingly, most of the really good marketing technology companies have actually have actually emerged outside of Silicon Valley because their their customer base is outside of Silicon Valley. Absolutely. I mean, Indianapolis is a, is a huge marketing tech hub with exact target yeah, that's sold exact here. Exact target, and, exactly. Yep, I, I can relate. And I, I think you hit the nail right on the head with just uh, being more uh, efficient with the capital that you have. Uh, growth hacking and being good at product marketing is, is really important. So I hope people will go to growthhacker.com uh, pre-order your copy or drop a comment here uh, on the show notes, which of course you can find at powderkeg.com on this particular episode. Leave a comment. We've we've pre-ordered a bunch of copies, so we'll be sending those out to people that are uh, commenting on the show notes and in social. Uh, Sean, Morgan, thank you guys so much for being here and taking the time to share your experience and uh, all the knowledge that you've gotten with writing uh, Hacking Growth. Yeah, You're welcome. And I do have an offer for your audience as well if they uh, want to take us up on some of the training stuff that we have at Growth Hackers. Awesome. Uh, growthhackers.com slash training, uh, $60 off our, uh, our growth master training course. So, um, some, something to give back to the community as well. Absolutely. Well, we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes. Um, I also know you've got the, the growth hacking conference coming up as well. Yep. That's in LA on May 24th, uh, heads of growth of Spotify, Pandora guy who just left Uber was pre- previously running growth at, uh, at, uh, international growth at Facebook. So, some really sharp people who the people who I admire and learn from are all going to be speaking at the conference. So uh, there's still some tickets left. So it'd be awesome to get some of the audience going there too. Absolutely, we'll link that up in the show notes as well too. And I, I may see if I can uh, get out there. LA is sounding pretty nice in May. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll hook you up with a good deal on a ticket. Uh, I appreciate that, Sean Morgan. Thank you as well. I, I, I love Thanks, uh, I love the stories, and uh, we'll be following uh, the whole book launch from afar. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. You bet. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Good luck, guys. Bye. Hey, Matt Hunkler here again. That's it for our conversation with Sean Ellis and Morgan Brown. But of course, you know that that's not the end of the conversation. We keep it going. We always keep it going. Check them both out on Twitter. They're at Sean Ellis, and that's S-E-A-N Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, at Sean Ellis, and at Morgan B, the letter B, on Twitter. Please hit them up. Let them know that you listen to the episode. You're excited for the book. I'm really excited for the book. And then drop a comment on the show notes. Of course, you can find all the show notes on powderkeg.com. Uh, and then just hit me up on Twitter as well. Always interested in your feedback. I want to know what you learned uh, the most, what was the most helpful on this podcast, but also what you're missing. I love hearing from you and so do our guests. So thank you so much. 